Orale, bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. I'm your host, Jorge Martin. Thank you for joining us. And today, you know, I know we're kind of into this uh, series. Today, we're remembering the Titans. <laughs> uh, I know they're in Music City and the Titans roam there. Our invitado de lujo today is Tyler Rowland, who's the host of the Lot on Titans uh, Locked on Titans podcast. Uh, Tyler, gracias, everybody. Gracias for joining us. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, hola. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just like to like to be in on the on the language. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I love talking talking football and uh, love talking fantasy as well. I've been playing fantasy football for like feels like 16 years now. I was on it early. So anytime I get to talk fantasy within the realm of the Titans, two things I very much enjoy. Oh, perfect. That That's why I thought, you know, that, that's why it's just perfect that you're here and joining us today. So, you know, let, let's jump into them re real quick. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the there's the coaching change in the offensive coordinator. Our, Arthur Smith has left. There's a new OC coming into town. He's the former tight end coach. Uh, you know, it's uh, which is also what uh, Arthur Smith was before he moved mm -hmm. uh, uh, to. So uh, moved up to the uh, offensive coordinator, Todd Downey. He has a similar background, but yes. can we expect a similar scheme considering that he was promoted within? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it would be it would be relatively foolish to try to reinvent the wheel in Tennessee, especially when they had, you know, their two most explosive offenses in franchise history basically over the last two years. It would be it would be crazy. And we what we do have to remember is Arthur Smith had been with the Titans under five different coaches. So it's not like he had a particular scheme that he wanted to put in place. Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach, was the Titans offensive coordinator in 2018, and Arthur Smith just kept doing what Matt LaFleur was running. Now, I don't mean to diminish Arthur Smith or any of his credit. He certainly took the offense to new heights, but my point is, is that the Titans have been running this system for a year before Arthur Smith got the reins, so I don't see why Todd Downing, who is experiencing a similar situation to Arthur Smith would change that. Now, one thing that I do want to say about Todd Downing, I think that he can kind of diversify the Titans offense. So we know about the run game. We know about the play action pass game, but uh, Todd Downing utilized a lot of RPO read pass option plays in his offense when he was the offensive coordinator with the Oakland Raiders in 2017. And it was Oakland. At that time, I'm not misspeaking. Um, they were the Oakland Raiders when Downing was the OC there. They used the, they had very good success passing the ball in RPO, where they fake that handoff to the running back and then quickly throw it to the wide receiver. So if we see some of that incorporated into what we already know from the Titans offense from Todd Downing, then I think that can take the Titans offense to a new level. And from a fantasy perspective, can maybe make them a little bit less narrow, not much but a little bit less narrow, which opens up some more options for fantasy players. So let, let's talk about Ryan Tannehill. Mm -hmm. He is such an underrated player for fantasy. Yeah. Uh, 33 touchdowns, passing, seven rushing. He's such a good uh, – he's, he's such an underrated talent. What, you know, he, how much – are we just uh, are, are people who are going to draft him just going to be like, what an incredible value? Well, I think it, they're probably going to feel a little bit how Titans fans feel 
Right, since he took over, you know, Ryan Tannehill has this perception out there that, you know, he's not the guy who deserves the credit. Should all go to Derrick Henry. But the reality here is Derrick Henry didn't really blow up until Ryan Tannehill became his quarterback as well. So it's symbiotic the way they feed off of each other. What Ryan Tannehill does well as a player complements perfectly what Derrick Henry is going to force defenses to do. So it works great in that way. And you talked about Ryan Tannehill had 33 passing touchdowns last year, but seven rushing touchdowns. In fantasy football, you're always looking for additional value. And for some reason, people don't seem to remember that Ryan Tannehill has great mobility as well. Plus, like I said back, the perception of Ryan Tannehill doesn't necessarily match the talent that he has and the fantasy production that he has. So when you think about that, Ryan Tannehill is going to give you better production than where he's going to be drafted. That's value in itself. And a lot of people aren't going to think about the rushing aspect of his game as well. So you add in more rushing than people realize. You add in that he's going to be taken later than he should be based on where he's probably going to end up as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. That's great value for any fantasy football player. And as you know, and as I know, value is the name of the game in season-long fantasy. And in daily fantasy, at that, fantasy, any any kind of, uh, even, you know, you think about stocks and you think about playing the stock market, you're looking for value buys. And Ryan Tannehill is absolutely one of those guys who will be a great value buy guaranteed when the drafts really get hot and heavy. Well, one guy who's not necessarily a value because he's a hot commodity. He's going off in the top four, Derrick Henry. He's mm-hmm. coming off a, a legendary season, uh, one, you know, 2,000 yards, very exclusive club. Uh, the other thing about it, 378 rushing attempts, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people get a little eerie about that. But, yep. you know, I've talked, to, I've talked to injury experts and, you know, you never predict that, but, you know, is he enough of a super freak that he's going to blow that away and just still continue to have another big season? Uh, super freak is a very uh, good term to, to lead off with, quite frankly, because my answer to that question is yes. So obviously we don't have to you know, drone on about Derrick Henry's fantasy value. The people know, they've seen it, but I think it's a fair question to ask about that regression, but here's my spiel. Derrick Henry is a unicorn. Stop using historical comparisons. Stop using general wisdom. They're not going to fit Derrick Henry. He is a Hall of Fame, all-time talent, maybe one of the best running backs of all time. That's potentially what we're seeing. And when you think about a guy like David Johnson, who got a big contract with the Cardinals, he didn't really have a pedigree. He kind of popped on the scene. Somebody knew who we didn't expect that from. Todd Gurley had knee issues from college following him into the NFL. You think about Ezekiel Elliott. People were worried about his work ethic, his maturity heading into the NFL. So those are three guys who got big-time contracts. And then Le'Veon Bell, we know that Le'Veon Bell has interests off the field. He may not be the most dedicated football guy. None of that applies to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has been the best running back on the planet in his level of football since he was born. He goes to high school dominates every high school record you could think of in the United States. He goes to Alabama, wins a Heisman Trophy, comes to the NFL, rushes for 2,000 yards, 
Offensive Player of the Year. When has this guy not been a dominant force? So you can apply all of these historical standards to Derrick Henry, but because of his work ethic, his maturity, his dedication to football, he's just going to break all of those standards every time you try to box him in. So if I'm a player picking up front in the fantasy draft, I'm taking Derrick Henry. I'm feeling confident, even though he's not going to get that pass-catching work that you love to see, especially in PPR or half-point PPR. I do not care. Fantasy, along with value, is all about opportunity and workload. And who in the NFL is going to get a heavier workload and more consistent opportunity than Derrick Henry? No one. That's what I'm banking on with my top five pick in the fantasy draft. I'm banking on someone who is going to be a certified RB1 every single week. He's not going to get vultured for touchdowns. He's not going to have a pass catcher on the field taken away from him. He's just going to be out there because the Titans don't really have anybody else to throw out there anyways, even if they wanted a pass catching back at this time. So got to take Derrick Henry and you got to do it with confidence. He's a unicorn. He's a Hall of Fame talent. He's different than everything else that most people are used to seeing. There's been some chatter about Darrington Evans. Possible, uh, you know, is he is he a possibility for, you know, possibly a sleeper? I mean, as a guy who wants the Titans to do well, I want Darrington Evans to be successful, to diversify the offense, give them that pass catching back that they can use, not only in passing situations, but also in gadget plays, jet sweeps, uh, wide receiver screens, tunnel screens, things like that. I'd love to see that as a possibility. But Darrington Evans pulled up with a lame leg uh, in the first preseason game. He was injured much of last year. At this time, I just don't see how, as a Titans fan or a fantasy player, you could count on him to be out there. I would feel much more comfortable if you're looking for some sort of sleeper in the Titans backfield, going with Brian Hill, the veteran who played pretty well for Atlanta last year, or Jeremy McNichols, who most people may not know, but McNichols has been with the Titans for a few years now. And when Derrick Henry was off the field last year, he was the one who was on the field. But really the talent there isn't anything to write home about. I don't see a, a natural, um, I don't see a natural fit as a sleeper in the backfield for the Titans or a natural handcuff for Derrick Henry at this time. Well, let's go to the receivers. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's, uh, there aren't many talented, more talented duos than AJ Brown and Julio Jones, who happens to be AJ Brown's <laughs> inspiration and hero. And the reason why yeah. he wears number 11, you, you look at these two, uh, how are the, the targets going to get broken up between the two of them? Well, I think A.J. Brown's going to get most of the targets. I I don't want to get it twisted here. A.J. Brown is the number one wide receiver in terms of volume and target share. That's just going to be the case. Julio Jones is coming in to fill the Corey Davis role. And while he's a souped-up Hall of Fame version of Corey Davis, I still do believe that the Titans view A.J. Brown as the number one receiver on this team. And the game plan is going to be tailored towards getting A.J., as many opportunities as possible. One thing we do have to keep in mind as well, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but Julio Jones did miss about seven games last year. He is 32 years old. So if you had to bet on one of those wide receivers missing some time due to injury, it's most certainly Julio Jones that you would bet on. So with that in mind, I think to answer the question, A.J. Brown should be the number one wide receiver drafted from the Tennessee Titans. But that doesn't mean that Julio Jones isn't still going to be a great fantasy option and a a great wide receiver to 
for your fantasy team and for the Titans. So I, I love both Julio Jones and A.J. Brown this year, but A.J. Brown is who I would put ahead of Julio Jones in my personal fantasy rankings. So a lot of people who don't go for that top three tight ends, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, right. are looking at late round options. Is Anthony Ferkshire one of those options? Oh, absolutely. I think he has to be. Uh, John U. Smith left the Titans, went to the New England Patriots in free agency, but John U. was a consistent red zone target for the Titans. The Titans at tight end, Ferkser is not the athlete or the physical specimen that John U. Smith is, but he's much more of a reliable pass catcher. He's a better route runner. He understands how to sit down in the holes of the zone. And him and Ryan Tannehill have a very good rapport together, very good chemistry together. And with John U. Smith and his red zone opportunities out of the window, someone's going to have to step up and take those from the tight end position. It's not going to be Jeff Swaim. It's not going to be anybody else on the Titans depth chart. It's going to be Anthony Ferkser. So I think that Anthony Ferkser could be one of the best value pickups at the tight end spot in the entire draft. And if you find a way to pair Anthony Ferkser and stack him with Ryan Tannehill, both in the late stages of your fantasy draft, I think you're just going to be very, very happy with that combination and the value that you got there going forward. Especially like you said, there's only three tight ends that are really in that top tier, number one tier. After that, you're kind of taking a dart throw on any of them. So waiting for an Anthony Ferkser, I think, would absolutely be a solid move for anybody playing fantasy this year. All right. Well, I mean, that pretty much is everybody on the, you know, that that's fantasy relevant on the, you know, it's just such a heavily, you know, narrowly focused team, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if there had to be a sleeper, though, you have to think about their third wide receiver, Josh Reynolds. And Josh Reynolds is a guy who spent the beginning of his career in Los Angeles playing behind a ton of talented guys for the Rams, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, even Brandon Cooks, while he was there. That limited Josh Reynolds' potential. But I think that he's a very good wide receiver. He had over 500 yards last year when he finally got to be that number three receiver. With Julio Jones and his uncertainty with his health and injuries going forward, I think there's a good chance that Josh Reynolds gets a couple starts this year. And with the Titans losing Jonu Smith, I think they're going to replace Jonu Smith, not with a tight end, but by using three physical wide receivers out there. So I think Josh Reynolds will be out on the field a lot. And if Julio Jones does miss any games, then I think Reynolds could give you some good value as a depth wide receiver, a wide receiver four, and then you can plug him into your lineup. I know this sounds crazy, but like I said, there's no handcuff for Derrick Henry. I would consider Josh Reynolds a handcuff to Julio Jones. Ooh. And if you pick up Julio Jones and say, you know, the, the third round, the fourth round, maybe late second, depending on how deep your league is. If you pick up Julio Jones there early, swinging back around in the 13th, the 12th round, the 14th round, and getting Josh Reynolds, I think that could be a very advantageous move for fantasy owners. So I would do that. I would handcuff Julio with Josh Reynolds. Awesome. And I love to ask questions about the offensive line. So the the Titans got Taylor Dewan back after he missed uh, quite, a, quite a bit of time. And he's one of the better yeah. left tackles in, in the NFL. Top 10, I'd say. How much does that improve this offensive line and make someone like Derrick Henry and, and Brian Tannehill that much more dangerous? Yeah, I mean, when you the Titans had their second string tackle in for two weeks, and then he blew a knee, and then they had their third string tackle in. So 
anytime that happens, I thought the Titans offense, obviously Derrick Henry went for 2,000 yards. They were still able to sustain. But when you pop in a top 10 left tackle, I think it really helps the Titans more in pass protection and opening up those deep shots down the field to Julio, to A.J. Brown, to Josh Reynolds, specifically who I talked about just a second ago. I, I think that Ryan Tannehill will have more time in the pocket. He won't have to get the ball out as quickly, and that'll open up some options down the field, which will get the efficiency back to the 2019 levels, which 2020 was still a very efficient year, as we mentioned. But if you can get back to that 2019 efficiency and then add in the Derrick Henry running game still, uh, the Titans offense can be just as good as it's been the last two years. And you want to have guys from your fantasy team be on those type of offenses. The Titans also have Roger Saffold, who's a top 10 guard at left guard. They have Ben Jones, who's a top 10, top 12 center. Nate Davis, who's a third year right guard who got some all pro votes last year. They're going to be putting in a new right tackle, but returning those four starters and that quality, I think the Titans offensive line is one you can count on to not torpedo any kind of fantasy value for your players. Well, let's go to the defensive side, kind of close it out with that, the football questions. You know, this was a defense that we targeted, that I targeted a lot in uh, fantasy. When, you know, uh, when I saw them going against the Titans, I loved loading up my Titans because I knew they were going to get points, but yeah. I, I knew that their opponents were also going to get some points too. Yes. Where does this defense kind of shape up for the coming season? Well, I think that's a tough question to answer right now. The Titans overhauled a lot of their personnel. So they pretty much overhauled the entire secondary. They're going to have three new starters out of their top four in the secondary. They put a bunch of money in free agency towards the defensive line, adding Danico Autry from the Indianapolis Colts, Bud Dupree from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in theory, with the additional talent, the Titans should be better. But at this moment in time, you look at Mike Vrabel's history any defense that Mike Vrabel has been associated with in any big-time capacity, you look when he was the defensive coordinator for the Texans for a year, then being the defensive coordinator for the Titans basically last year, uh, Mike Vrabel doesn't run good defenses. Calling him a defensive coach I think is a bit of a mistake. It's a bit of a miscalculation. So at this time, I'm not confident in the kicker position or the defensive position in fantasy for the Titans. There is potential for the Titans defense to be much improved and turn themselves into a viable fantasy defense. But I don't think there's any way that you can draft the Titans defense in the top 10, top 12, top 14 defenses and feel good about it. Keep your eye on them in the beginning of the season. If they have a few good weeks to start the year, swoop them up. You might've found a diamond in the rough and, and the defense may have improved. But from a fantasy perspective, yeah, you can't bet on that going forward into the season. And as for your players playing against the Titans, similarly, right now with all the changes that they made to the personnel, it's hard to really know whether they're going to be a, a team that you load up, whoever their opponents are every week. It's hard to know that right now. So I would say just monitor the Titans' defense at the beginning of the year and, and see what they're looking like. But if they play bad at the beginning of the year, then I would go ahead and treat the Titans' G defense the same way you treated them last year because Mike Brabel has not proven at any point in time during his career that he can lead a successful NFL defense. Awesome. Well, let's 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 finish strong. I love to close out with favorite Mexican food, tacos especially. What are your favorite types? Well, number one, if we're talking tacos, I'm going to go with Al Pastor. I'm going to go with diced onion. I am going to go with cilantro, 
And then I'm going to go with a little bit of a guacamole spread. You put that mm. in front of me, a couple al pastor tacos. I'm going to take that down. But I have to tell you, my favorite Mexican dish of them all are chimichangas. I'll take uh, shredded beef. I'll take shredded pork. Either way, carnitas, barbacoa, any, any of those meats, go ahead and throw them in a deep fried crunchy burrito with some queso over top, a guacamole salad, some fried rice, a little refried beans. You know what? As a matter of fact, Jorge, I am going tonight. I made my decision. I am going to get some chimichangas. As soon as we are done with this interview, I'll blame you, but it's a blame you should really love to take because spreading Mexican food is like spreading happiness. And uh, I'm going to go get happy after the show. I love it. Spreading Mexican food. That's my new, that, that I'm going to, I'm going to adopt that as my true mantra. Spreading Mexican food is spreading happiness. Thank you so much. Gracias. Gracias. Yep. Tyler, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, let's, uh, you know, let us know everybody, let everybody, our familiar community know where they can find your great work. Sure. Number one, thank you so much for having on it, uh, having me on it. Truly is an honor. Thank you to everyone uh, listening to the analysis as well. But you can find me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. I do a lot of film work. So if you're interested in seeing how some of these fantasy players are doing from a film perspective, check that out. But I am the host of the Locked On Titans podcast. You can find that on whatever platform you do stream. If you like the video aspect, which obviously your folks do, I do have a YouTube page, the Locked On Titans YouTube play page. Please subscribe and check out all the content that I'm throwing up there. Oh, awesome! Yes, give him a follow, man. This oh, I can't tell you how much of it, uh, how much fun this was. Yeah. In Spanish, as we would say, esto fue un gran placer. Muchas gracias, and uh, familia. Eso es todo for our show. Uh, special thanks to Anchor for putting our host for being our hosting network and putting mm -hmm. our podcast out to Apple, Google, Spotify. Please make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you could find uh, our YouTube page at Familia FFB. You could also find me at Jorge Martin 17. Uh, I put all our content out there, uh, including articles that are going up on FamiliaFFB.com. And also follow at Familia FFB on Twitter and Instagram. Otra vez, Tyler. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. And everybody, todos somos familia. Salud. <laughs>